0: The biggest thing for me—it's going back to exactly what we just spoke about—that mm-hmm. the way that we speak and the language that we say, and that the patterns that we've created in our language, can be interpreted in so many different ways. And what helps us grow is being challenged on that. Try this It's nice.
1: You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation.
2: Welcome to the decision table. Thank you. You're very welcome to be here and, uh, you know, we are just having conversations and I just happened to press live at the same time and I've actually, to be honest, I've just done a 10K race and um, so I'm like settling down my brain for a moment here. But um, other than that, what we do on the decision table is just have conversations where uh, I (laughs) I felt that if we had a conversation with someone different every day, we could use the lens use different lenses in which how how we have conversations and so you know this month the lens that we're using on the decision table is really around humanity as stakeholders and i guess i'm just being human today because i'm my head is like coming down to earth again and i probably need a bit more water so i'm having this wait on
0: the best way to do it Marine. the best way to do it is to keep and it clean.
2: <laughs> we put some coffee in there as well
0: Cheers mm.
2: Cheers. Cheers. Now I think I probably can even have a conversation, but <laughs> I think this is part of this is part of the conversation I'm having these days is mm. in a lot of ways, unless we turn up with perfection, you know, don't turn up at all, and we know there is no perfection, right? or is it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, I don't think so. I think that we're always growing as human beings, right? We're always evolving. So that, mm-hmm. that perfect thing and, and coming from an avid perfectionist. Ex, yes, ex me too. Me
2: too.
0: You know, I, I, I always say
2: started. recovering perfectionist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: but I think it's a good thing is now being a coach and doing what I do. I'm coaching perfectionists yeah. every day to get out of that, right? It's almost me going, hang on, you know, I'm reminding everybody else to do it. So it reminds me to do it as well.
2: So. It's funny because we know this in concept, but living it and then when you're a leader or coaching others or mentoring, whatever it is, there's this expectation that maybe you should have it all together. And I think that even the way that we put together our programs, our systems, our processes, there's even expectations within that for it to always work every time. And if not, then you failed me or I'm a failure, right? So. I guess what I'm thinking in that way is how do we change that if that's kind of the norm out there, yet we say, let's turn up and just be us and evolve with that?
0: Yeah, look, I think for me, it was all about, and I know this is going to sound really corny, but just doing it. So when I... Yeah,
3: (laughs) I get slapped around, but sometimes I've got
0: a particular client that I'm thinking of that hates it when I tell her to do that. But it's that's the thing is, you know, I found that the way that I had to break my perfectionism perfectionism was to purposefully not be perfect, and Mm -hmm. that worked quite well for me because. I'm someone that likes to work under pressure. So, you know, when I was doing a master class or when I was, you know, having to complete a lesson or turn up for something, I didn't plan for two weeks. Like i do the presentation the morning of or something like that and just be like, "All right, I'm just going to pressure test myself. <laughs> and, you know, in all honesty, the masterclasses and the stuff that I did at that time probably wasn't as best as I could do it. But the feedback that I got was still awesome. There was no one turning around going, oh my God, that was terrible. And I was just finding that I could complete stuff faster in a shorter amount of time and get results quicker as well, which, you know, is key when you're a solopreneur, right? <laughs>
2: yeah, it does actually help. Tell me, where did perfectionism come from?
0: Look, I did a bit of work on this during my my master's in coaching. And I think a large part of it was the little nerdy kid at school. So, mm. I my mother passed away when I was six and wow. I was really, really close to my dad and I always wanted to impress my dad. And my dad's a really, really smart guy. He would nice. always, you know, push for me to do the best at school. So I was always aiming for that, you know, A++++, plus 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 right? And that was what yeah. I had to get from yeah. grade one. And look, and I, and I love my dad for that in a sense because he's pushed me to be the best I can be. The perfectionism definitely came into that. I'm not sure if you're familiar with disc, but I'm a high eye, so I'm. I all know about...
2: exactly around yeah. that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so for those watching that that don't know about that, so I'm very I'm about the people around me and judgment and you know wanting to to sort of lead the pack and inspire people. That's sort of the eye style. And experiment. on the
2: other side of that, you also yes. like to keep people happy and make sure. Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: I have to keep everybody happy, yes. <laughs> which I've also had to work on.
2: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Yeah, because I think going back to what you mentioned with humanity and, and showing a human self, mm. you know, you, if you want to be your true genuine self, you can't keep everybody happy. It's not possible.
2: That's an interesting concept. You can't keep everybody happy. That's impossible. Tell me more what you mean by that piece.
0: Uh, I've learnt that everybody has different opinions and everybody is beautiful in their own way, right? Whatever Mm. that might be. I mean, DISC, looking at DISC is a perfect example of that, right? People communicate in different ways. They learn in different ways. They want different things in life. And I am a true believer that you attract the people that you would need to attract into your life, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that when it comes to the, the not keeping everybody happy part I could say something on social media that I know some people are going to love, but it's going to piss some people off. Yeah. Swearing is a perfect example, mm-hmm. right? I run trainings, or at least I did run trainings out of COVID, I should say. Yeah. On. Yeah. Now I'm trying to wake up. You know i would purposefully swear in the classes because of i was teaching new coaches about how to interact and how to engage in a coaching session right so yeah you know as i'm sure you're aware if you're you know someone swears in a in a session and you kind of go oh hang on i don't you know we don't swear in here thanks they're going to shut off completely because they can't be themselves yeah. So, you know, that's the thing for me is, you know, when I meet a new client and they swear and they apologize, I'm like, no, 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 totally cool. Because if you swear, it means I can and we're all good because <laughs> um, I can, you know, use my language how I want to. So, yeah, yeah I think that's, that's the concept is that to be your true authentic self, you know, when I was a perfectionist and when I was trying to make everybody happy, I had a constant wall up and I would try to be someone that would make everybody happy and it's just not possible because then people see through that and see that you're not yeah. being authentic.
2: Yeah. Okay, so let's take that swearing moment. So you said one side of that. Okay, so if I swear and they swear we all are happy, happy, what if swearing absolutely upsets me and puts me off? How do we bridge that gap between what is acceptable for one lot of, you know, people? And not so much for the other people. Where's that line? How do we narrow that gap?
3: (laughs) Um,
0: It's a fantastic question. And to be honest, I mean, I I can answer it in my sense that I...
2: That's all I'm uh, asking.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think for me it's... Look, I obviously, in particular circumstances, like in this situation, you know, this is your channel. I don't want to, you know, throw swear words all around the place. So I do. By the way,
2: this is a no judgment zone. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> and people do, by the way, they yeah. say whatever they want on here.
0: Love it. Love it. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think there's, and look, and talking on swearing, swearing's not in every single sentence, but on the odd occasion, you know, if you want It was say more shit, the
2: example of it, right? Like that's, yeah. you brought that up as an example. And I thought that was a great way to sort of be curious to go okay so that works if I swear and I want to connect with you because like we're the same in that way I feel comfortable I get that that's rapport right
3: yeah but then
2: it's it's rapport based on what a common link there but what happens if I you know that's actually really disrespectful to my Mm -hmm. culture and you're swearing like a trooper
0: yeah, true. And I think that that's why I test it in a safe environment in education. And obviously, case yeah. by case, right? I'm training coaches to to deal with people that they might not normally deal with. So for, for them, they kind of need to get used to that moment to be a great coach. And look, obviously, if it if it impacts religion, if it is offensive to you, then you can be open about that and you're going to attract clients that feel the
3: same.
2: That's an interesting concept, yeah. So if we're wanting to be more inclusive in the way that we build out our communities, then really you're only saying, hey, I'm going to connect with people. And by the way, I'm only using this because it's a great example right now, right? Like I'm not picking on you for for this, but I think it brings up so many questions that we need to start thinking about when we're building our cultures, right? And so think about this. You're wanting to build out a bigger community and you're saying, hey, those that are going to be swearing and and can feel comfortable in that, they're going to be feeling comfortable and will be in my place. I get that because I get that we want to be who we are. We don't want to have to hold back on that. Yeah. And then I wonder where it goes from, I get that I want to be who I am, to... We need to be more respectful of other people and more inclusive that maybe someone doesn't sound like me, look like me and do things quite the same way, yet could really benefit from you as a coach.
0: Oh, definitely. Look, there's, there's a time and place for everything. And I know that with certain clients I don't swear because I know that that's not in their, you know, remit, right? But I know that for me to allow people that do swear to feel more open. Yeah then reciprocating their language allows them to feel more comfortable so it's, a, it's just such yeah. an
2: interesting concept because if you, if you move <laughs> away right if you move away from the swearing then yeah. it might be well i'm showing a whole lot of skin i mean yeah. i've got a top up here because under here is this like gap between the skin of the top of this singlet top underneath and the the bottom bit and i yeah. know culturally in some cultures we are not to show Because it's disrespectful to show too much skin. I live in singlet tops and short tops. Why? Because I hate having things all over my arms all the time, right? Like it's just what I do. But I also know that if I am to be more inclusive of a wider variety of, I always say distinctions coming to the decision table, both on the table and listening to the table, then I don't want to shut people out because of something that although it's not It's not a priority for me to do it that way. It's not actually how I do it all the time. I do respect that at times. I'll put on a top or I'll put something, and and I'm just using that as an example, but I'm trying to think what else I would do that's kind of different to me. Oh, yeah. So sometimes I can rock up in my fitness gear, which, by the way, mostly I'm in today, and other days I will dress up more I'm comfortable in both. I have no problems in both. But some days I feel, and I've got a long day of um, interviews as well today, and I want to be in comfortable clothes. (laughs) So I don't know. Where do we – I often – like I'm questioning this as we think about the whole humanity as stakeholders at the decision table. How much of it do we have to conform to what is the norm of – what is the expectations maybe – yeah. versus who we are and bringing who we are to the table and that being an accepted as a norm across I don't have this right or wrong I'm purely no. being really curious about it right now
0: and, and I don't either like I think it's look values and beliefs are different for everybody you know yeah. and that's something that you've got to be respectful of for sure I had an interesting story recently where I had a client that wanted to come on board as one of my team members and I hired her and it was great and it was awesome and she was going to be providing services to my other clients, right? And then she turned around and I was really grateful that she was willing to be vulnerable about this, but she turned around and she's um, South African, um, quite a big Christian. And she was like, oh, look, you know, I really, really don't want this to affect our relationship. But because of my religion, there's certain clients that deal with the spiritual element of coaching or healers mm-hmm. or that yeah. sort of thing that i'm not comfortable working with and i wouldn't expect my team to work with them either and she went straight to look if you want to cancel the contract and find somebody else i'm totally cool with that mm-hmm. and i was like well no hang on like you're a great worker you're amazing at what you do you I know love that being a gay man that's been through bullying and harassment and everything else for yeah. who i am like mm. I totally get where you are coming from, and I am probably one of the most open-minded people that I, I, I like to think you know that I know. So I was like, well, no, hang on, let's just figure out how to do this, and we were able yeah. to find a workaround where she was able to talk to me about who might not be a good fit for her, and then I was able to. And get maybe,
2: and maybe that's where it comes down to is uh-huh. that we actually have to communicate what totally. we are willing. To have as our negotiables and non-negotiables, as I yes. always talk about them,
3: and, and maybe we,
2: relations. maybe that's what we're meant to do better at the table, and maybe we haven't done that so well in the past.
3: Mm. Yeah, really
0: interesting. It's it's look, I think it's such a communication is key in any relationship, personal or professional, and exactly like you've said, like being respectful of other people's cultures, their backgrounds, their beliefs, you know, whatever that is. I mean, for me. One of the great things about being a coach was I. Um, my first mentor turned around and said the reason why she wanted to be a coach was so she could get paid to drink coffee, right, <laughs> which I loved.
2: <laughs> I have point, never right? heard that one. I have <laughs> never heard that one.
0: Yeah, but the, the reason for me was that I came from operations, sales and marketing, like retail, leisure, you name it, and I was always in a suit, and I felt... Because I was a performer for 15 years, stepping into that corporate world, as Mm -hmm. much as I tried to push through it, I didn't feel comfortable in the corporate attire, yeah, because I didn't feel like I could just relax and be myself. So that was kind of what shifted me into a different space. I think it's just a matter of, you know, there is no right or wrong. I think it's just you've got to be respectful of what other people want, how they want to lead their
3: lives.
2: So I would disagree that there is no right or wrong. I think there is right or wrong but it's right or wrong for you personally.
3: Yes. So there
2: is right or wrong for me. So I've got some certain things that are wrong for me that maybe it's to do with my belief system, maybe it's my value system, maybe it's just my health system, who knows. (laughs) Um, But you name it, there are some wrong things for me. But I can say that there are some certainties of what is right for me as well and what I – for me personally. And I wonder – if we are just so used to saying some of these things right or wrong, there is no right or wrong. And we just put that out. And because of that, there's this expectation. Well, there really isn't any right or wrong. And I think what I loved about what you just said about, was it your coach or a South African coach or something? like was yeah, I,
0: yeah, one yeah. of my staff. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. One of yours, yeah. So yeah. I, what I loved about that was she said, hey, this doesn't work for me. This yeah. works for me. Is this going to work for us? And I think, what if we could be willing to actually listen to other people and go, oh, okay, so that's what is important to them, priorities to them, and absolute non-negotiable for them. And this could work. This is how I think about it. And this is how we could work it together. Rather yeah. than going there is a no right or wrong or there is a right or wrong as a general comment. I don't know. I, I find these no, things. You're
3: right. you're right.
0: Yeah, you're right. And, and I think that, you know, you've, you've hit the nail on the head is that that no right or wrong is just a tagline that we all use. Yeah. But I completely agree with you that when it comes to the individual, there is a right or wrong. And it's just a matter of working with them. I mean, like if I had let this this staff member is phenomenal at what she does. And she's, you know, mm. so invested in the business and her growth as well as my growth. And I believe that I learn as much from my team as they do from me. You know what I mean? Yeah, perfect. So if I had let go of her because of that and just said like, oh, look, too hard basket. It's not going to work. You know, yeah. let's just keep it as a client coach relationship and I'll find someone else. Then mm. that's obviously going to break down our relationship, but it's also going to stop me from learning what I could from her and having that challenge thrown at me as a like oh okay I haven't actually had to deal with that I didn't actually know it was a problem for someone and then to sort of have that come up it helps me grow as a human being as well so yeah I thank her for that little little challenge
2: (laughs) well those little challenges are the things that if we let them they help to develop us so that we can keep evolving right
3: exactly Um,
2: here's an interesting concept. And I think I have to bring this up on here because you identify so much as a coach. I get to run a couple of companies and one of them is very much in the coaching industry. And then the other side of it is working with a lot of leadership across the globe. And so in a lot of ways, there's a huge extreme from one to the other, to be honest. Yeah. And one of the things that really bugs me is that the way we communicate is that if we say we are something then we are identified as that Mm -hmm. here's the prime example you identify as a coach yeah and so you are all things coach here's the problem with that is i then go straight into my biases of what i think around coaching and coaches (laughs) and and i have to be really careful that i don't let that stop us from having a conversation and realizing there's more connection beyond identifying as a coach. And there's a a reason I bring this up Hmm. and and I think is an interesting conversation and something that I have struggled with in a long time really is that when I was, you know, very much in the coaching industry, I didn't like identifying as a coach, to be honest. I kind of dabbled as, well, here's the thing. I didn't ever dabble as a coach. And then when anyone described me as a coach, I really went against that. Yeah. And I, so I was always identified as the butt kicker. No, not your B U T, but yep. B U T, right? Mm. The butt mm. kicker. And I would go, Jim, when, like, if you came to one of my masterminds, I would go, Jim, it's great to have you here. I'm Kira Murray and I'm a butt kicker. Have you ever met one before? And you would probably say to me, no, I've never met one before. And I go, great. That means you've never met someone like me and you don't know what I can bring to this table. And that yeah. means you could get different results at the table. And I yeah. did that on purpose because any time I hear a coach or a mentor or a whatever, we put it, our biases into that and we go, I've met every other coach. So I write you off before I've even had a conversation with you. And I think whether it's a coach, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a whatever, we can be guilty of doing this. Totally. What's your thinking? Because you really identify as a coach. (laughs) What's your thinking when when I bring up these thoughts?
0: No, look, it's true because I struggled with that myself for quite a while. I, you know, a lot of people, especially when you're starting a new business, there's the fear of failure, there's the am I good enough, do I have enough experience? And I think that that's why I loved what you mentioned earlier in the conversation about being human, right? Yes, I step into coach and that's my title because that's what I believe I do, but you know, I'm a gay man. I've had 15 years performance experience. I've been 10 years in corporate. You know, I'm a trainer, like I'm a partner. I'm, you know, like there's so many different aspects to me. And I totally agree. There's no one label for anybody. Mm. And and making judgment on a word, basing your judgment, you know, based on a word, when you're looking at a human being, it's... You know, it's, it's, you can't do it. (laughs) Not, not as, not when you look at a person. We
2: can do it, but it's not beneficial. And I think that that's the piece. And, and when I bring humanity back as stakeholders, I really think that we should be bringing humans to the decision table as a whole. So, like you just said, I'm a performer, I'm a gay man, I'm a coach, I'm being in corporate. That doesn't, those pieces make up you as a whole. Yeah. So if we think like that, even in the coaching industry, yeah. how, how do we start thinking and bringing and creating systems and processes and thinking, knowing that we need to bring the whole person to the table, not just part of them?
0: It's individual and it's tailored. And I think that's why, you know, one of the biggest things that I like to share with people is that, you know, you are your brand, whatever that is. And that's what people will connect with. And there's no need for all these labels. Like when I was going through my training, I was like changing my title every 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Like I'm a, I'm a success coach. I'm a marketing coach. No, mm. I'm not. I'm a sales coach. No, I'm not. I'm a goal yep. coach. I'm a business coach. And now I've just gone to the point where I just call myself a coach because I'm all of those things. Mm. Being coaching, right. And, you know, that could be a detriment to my marketing But for me. I was going to yeah. say
2: many would say, oh, but yeah, then yeah. you're a generalist, not, <laughs> you know, an expert. And,
0: yeah. And look, but I believe that, you know, like we said before, you know, you attract the people that need you at the time or that, that want to connect mm-hmm. with you or you want to connect with them at the time. And that's what makes, you know, connection and humanity and investment in people so beautiful. Um yeah without needing to put judgment on who they are or what they do. So And
2: maybe yeah. some of this comes down to that piece of judgment. That actually yep. there's just so much judgment between if I do identify as a coach, what you think that looks like. Mm. I, I think that it's it's interesting because I've I've actually read a lot of pretty random books lately and I mean random and just extremes and I'm doing it on purpose because as I continue to develop and learn I think there's this importance to to listen through through other people's lenses and perspectives right and I know that we kind of know that as theory but then when you start doing it you know I have actually it's it's this book here by Candace and she she's a beautiful black woman who is extremely intelligent and really in a lot of ways goes against a lot of the things that the black are standing for or African American or however they identify stands for in their culture and she's saying it through her lens as she identifies as a black woman, but it's really against a lot of what uh, we would in general hear across the globe. Yeah. Now, if I hadn't read that, if I hadn't, and I'm still in the, like, I'm still reading it. Mm. If I don't listen to her, I've listened to her a lot over time. I would only hear a lot of the other side of it. Mm. Right. And I Mm. think we're really guilty as humans to go, well, this is what you identify as. This is how we know what this looks like. And that's the only, like when you go there, it's black and white. It's like there is no, there is a right or wrong, right? And yeah. we put it into play in a place like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you saw this a lot in the Black Lives Matter movement that yeah. sort of happened, right? And I was, watching this avidly, you know, my partner loves his his American politics and just everything that goes on. He likes to keep on touch. And and so the Black Lives Matter thing, it was really interesting to see the different reactions that people were getting, because, you know, then there was the whole White Lives Matter and, you know, all of this other stuff sort of came out of the cracks. And, you know, African-American people were turning around and going, well, hang on, like, this is our movement. Like, why are you getting on board? And, you know, just all of the different varying opinions when I originally just would have thought, hey, look, it's great to see the entire community, regardless of race, coming Mm -hmm. together to say this is not okay when, you know, people that were part of that community that everyone was focusing on didn't necessarily agree that it was everybody else's battle, you know what I mean? It was really, really interesting to see And
2: and I think that's what it is. It's really interesting because we actually were starting to have a conversation around that, right? Yeah. And rather than it being conversations hidden behind closed doors, that's why we go live when we have a conversation. I've never actually had a conversation with you before, uh, you know, like this. So and a lot of people find that really crazy that I would have conversations on live. But if I'm going to get to know you, if I'm going to understand more of your perspective, then yeah. I'm going to have a conversation with you and if we can't do this live and it's only going to be done around closed doors a I think I don't know that you're the right person in my world because I say what I say in front behind the scenes as well I also think that we are we have a responsibility to be open to help others to learn as we are learning I also think that we don't have all the answers and maybe someone hears something and they go oh actually I'd love to have a conversation with Kerry Murray around that yeah. and then I might <laughs> even get some of these answers right like so yeah. for me it's kind of a funny thing but it's not the normal way to do it and I get that it's not normal i think but it's it- not the normal way
0: to do it now i think and that's uh-huh. you know if you think, if you think mm-hmm. back to when back to when facebook didn't exist when we had you know black and white telephones that all they had on them was snake you know what i mean and and yeah. you were having genuine conversations with people in a live environment yeah. what what shifted with that and it, i think it goes back to the perfection thing is that that social media webcams video recordings all that sort of stuff gave people an opportunity to come across more perfect right i'm not saying perfect yeah. i'm saying more perfect I get it. yeah, yeah. So, and, and I agree with you. I, I run sessions similar to this when I interview people in the industry, in my industry, and we just do a live. And I'm just like, look, I'll, I'll give you a couple of questions that I'm going to use to kick the conversation mm-hmm. off. But other than that, let's just have some fun. And the things that come out and the vulnerability when people drop that wall of just being like, yeah. you know, I'm live on, on Facebook or whatever now. I just need to roll with it. I think that's when the real conversations
2: really happen. Well, here's the funny thing. Lots of them come off these decision tables and go, oh, I've never said that on live before. Oh, I've never been asked those questions. Oh, I'm sure you have been asked some of these questions. I just think we haven't been asked these questions in public.
0: Correct. Yeah.
2: And, And I think the other thing is... One of the things I do is not hold back in asking questions because Ooh. I think that we often ask the surface questions, but yeah. we don't go down the layers of questions. And yeah. the layers give us the variables that actually now I understand why Jim chose to do this or why this is working, not just as a concept, but in, in reality, because he's yeah. put it in place because of these things. Because a lot of the time, I think we see something around someone, we gain biases because of it, because mm-hmm. we're not getting the full story. We're not exactly. understanding why this is. I, I just find the more I dive into random books like Kingpin, and it's based on a an American who decided that, all humans had rights to buy drugs and arms, um, like, you know. And so underground, he's like the kingpin of the underground. Yeah, fascinating. But yeah. Do I think that that's a good thing? Probably it goes against a lot of my value system, right? <laughs> but I'm fascinated. I'm totally fascinated at the thinking of why this even came out of something and then yeah. how he's developed it and then even – how he's done his journey along that and his thinking around that because i think we miss out of so much because we we it's a race conversation it's a gender conversation it it's a you know whatever like you know any conversation there's so many things that could put us well we're only going to talk about this right now and or we're not going to talk about this so we've got nothing to talk about yeah. And we miss out behind the scenes of the actual learnings that, you know, just because they do it different, just because they believe in a different thing, just because, you know, they're not at the space or the stage you're at doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Totally. And that's why I love the like raw conversations like this that aren't planned and that, you know, we just jump on and we just see what happens, right? Which is exactly what we're doing. Because I feel that there's, you know, exactly like you've said, it's more genuine. You're more, uh, I'm actively listening to you as opposed to thinking about, crap, what have I got to say next? You know what I mean? Like what's coming up? Like all that sort of stuff. And that's one of the things that I really had to work on switching industries is actively listening to people. And not having that voice in the back of my head going, okay, cool. What can I ask next? Or what should I say next? Or, you know, and you spend more time thinking about your own thought patterns than you do about what the person's actually saying in front of you. So, yeah, it's it's just I love that. Because here's the thing.
2: I love that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But what that triggered in my brain was the whole concept around I'm not seen, or we need to see people more, and I'm not listened to, and we need to hear people more. And I just think, imagine, imagine if we had more of these kind of conversations, people probably would be felt like they were seen way more and listened yeah. to, right? Yeah. And, give, and I felt I, they have a voice.
3: Yeah.
0: And I think that's why getting comfortable with pauses and getting comfortable with silence is so important. Yeah. Because it shows that you're genuinely thinking about what you want to say next and you've genuinely listened to the end of the sentence, what people want to say you know what i mean so it's something that i've really struggled with you know with especially with my background is that i was Mm -hmm. always trying to think of what to say next because i've come from that background where i was bullied as a kid and i might have said the wrong thing or you know whatever it is so you're kind of like okay cool what can i say next to be popular when that doesn't really need to be an issue you know if you've got the time to just sort of have pause and just sit on what the discussion is, then the right thing's gonna come out. Like, is there a right thing is the question.
2: Why as humanity do you think we care so much of what other people think?
0: Oh, that's a that's a can of worms. I think that it
3: as humans... why I asked <laughs> the question. I'm loving
0: <laughs> No, look, I, I think as as humans, like we naturally are drawn to community, like no. to try community you know it's why this the, the tribe buzzwords come out we naturally want to feel connect connection and i think a part of that comes when we're developing as kids where what we believe right not necessarily yeah. what everybody else believes but what we believe becomes the right thing to say and the wrong thing to say whether that's learned from parents whether that's your value yeah. or system you know whatever it is and so You know i think maybe part of the background i mean this is what's coming to my mind at the moment but if there's a pause in the conversation this previous belief system if there's a pause in the conversation it's a dead conversation you know you've got to keep the ball rolling you've got to keep the conversation Mm. going and not have any gaps um, very true yeah so Mm -hmm. when it's actually the opposite like if you're taking time to reflect on what someone said even if it's a split second, like it gives you the opportunity to, to really respond and keep the conversation going the right way. Yeah.
2: One of the things that I've done on the decision table quite often, and if you look at some of the past conversations, you'll see how I do this, and that is that I'll pause mm. after someone's finished because I know there's more to that. Mm. And guess what? Because I paused, they then keep talking. And we get the next layer of that thinking that actually comes with that. And often that's the piece that they haven't asked themselves or they haven't thought about or maybe even know exactly how to execute that, but it's the best piece of it all. And, yeah. and I love doing that because especially when I see their are real thinkers on the other side. And so the way that they might process their conversation is actually because they have to think it through in their head and then try and verbalise it. And if I just went and asked questions straight after, I would miss out on that extra piece of what they needed to process.
0: It's something that I found fascinating with one of the first classes that I stepped into as a student, Mm. like one to i a coach. The first thing that the trainer said to us all is, if you become a coach to give people advice, then I'm here to tell you that's actually not what Coaches do. <laughs> and I was like, what? Hang on. Like, I love sharing my story and giving experiences and helping people learn from me. And you know, then they went on to explain that's more a mentor than a coach. This is what a coach does. But you're right, like, you know, one of the the ICF or the you know, the International Coach Federation, yeah. like how they work, the higher level coach you are, the less you talk in a conversation.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And it took me so long to get around that. And they're like, no, because if you're asking really powerful questions and if you're using your pauses to have people think for themselves and come out and help help themselves as opposed to relying on you that's so much more powerful because they're making the decisions for themselves and they're creating what they want to create without you imposing you know your map on them they have a chance to have a voice oh
2: there's so many things I want to go down on that one. <laughs> I was holding my mouth just then, but doesn't matter. It's all good yeah. because here's the thing. I think that I love all what you are saying there. And, you know, I just think of my own journey on what I identified as. And, and it's funny cause you go, yeah, cause coaches aren't meant to advise and things. And I go, yeah, that's why I'm not a coach. I'm a, yeah. you know, in the, in the, that's where I was going to go like rabbit holes, rabbit holes, but yeah. um, Uh, One of the things around that is that, you know, if I have to identify as something, I tend to go as a global advisor and strategist. Why? Because I like advising. It's part of what I do. You can take what I have or you don't need to. But this is what I'm thinking on this. And then I'm very curious to then advise you to the next step on that piece. But I'm a major strategist. So in that way, I do that. But I always think, you know, in all that I do, there's a piece of coaching, there's a piece of mentoring, there's a piece of whatever. And that kind of makes up Kiri Marie and what she does, right? Yep. But but what I think is interesting, and I think that this is something that I want to, I know we're racing through the time. I can't believe already what time it I is like, that we've been yeah. on here. But uh, yeah. I do want to get this piece in because you mentioned something, you went straight into it, you identified as a coach, you went straight into the disc thing. and. Although the concept I like, I don't like as well. Yeah. And I'll yeah. tell you why, because all of a sudden you put us into these boxes. And when you say, I'm a high eye, no, you, yes, that's part of maybe your characteristics, the things that you do. But let's not identify as that or get <laughs> stuck in that, whether yeah. us as an individual, because we get biases. Oh, look, I'm just a high eye.
0: Right. Yeah. If you if you if you use it that way, definitely. I know.
2: I'm just saying. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No. No. I agree with you. And my problem with a lot of those diagnostic tools is this: that it diagnoses us, puts us in a box, and then we either put that as our filters that we use forever and ever. Amen. Or. That's how other people will perceive us. What's yeah. your disc? This, this, and this, and this. Like a lot of people who know me in the coaching industry have always wanted me to do all these different things. And <laughs> they've sent me links. Kiri Marie, you should find out. What are you here? I'm sure you're a data than that. And I go, I'm a human being. Yeah. And I've got distinctions that I bring to the table. Why do I go back to that? Because I am human first. I want to know if every decision I make at the table is adding value to humanity or taking it away from it. And the other things that I have from my environment, from my DNA, from my thinking, from who I spend time with are all the distinctions I bring to the table. And now the extra flavor you get when you get to hang out with me. But it doesn't, I, it doesn't determine who I am and what I'm going to do going forward. It really doesn't. Because no, first, no. what it is important is, am I doing life, a journey as a human being? And what is my lane in that way? And how do I rock up at the table? And that brings it all back to, see, when I come to that table, I don't meet Coach Jim. Yeah. I meet... Human, Jim, first. Yep. And that gives, and Murray, who's human, and our vision together is that we want to add value to humanity going forward. Yep. And then I get to know the other side of Jim and how he thinks, what that could do, how we could do that differently, how we could make that work. Now, I know that's such a simple way of saying it, and there's so yep. many different layers to this. But really, with a lot of this, and this is one of my white papers, I've got three that I'm going to be writing, and this is my third one, and really the pivotal sort of, or the pinnacle to all of what I believe, which is really, it comes down to what if we were to change it and put humanity as stakeholders? What would that change? Whether it's at the decision table, whether it's in the cultures that we build, whether it's the governments that we create, you know, and uh, the systems and, and the processes, if we were to go back to the lens being humanity as stakeholders, how would that change it?
0: Yeah, and and I I love all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, because you're right. Like I think for me, I – look – Yes, disc is a tool, and yes, it helps us to identify certain aspects of a person, but I don't think it wait defines. On, wait on,
2: I have to say, I'm not disking. Yeah. I'm not dissing disc. Ah, You're not dissing disc. No, no, no. And, no,
0: but I understand <laughs> the enjoyment. There is so much more to a person, but what I found is that when it comes to confidence in a discussion, if you've got tools like that to be able to identify how you can improve communication, mm. I've had moments where I've, you know, I've done exactly what you've mentioned. I've gone, right, that person's an S. And then they turn around and tell me that, oh, no, they're just having a bad day. They're actually, you know, this is their normal profile, right? And so, you know, it's, it's really interesting to see, you know, the other side of it as well, where you can look at um, extended disc, where they look at their natural natural style and how they perceive themselves at work. And it actually maps out all four levels of a person. We've got all four aspects in us. It's just what do we draw out, you know, more often than not. So, but I definitely, you know, I agree with you massively because I had this with Myers Briggs. Everybody would always, you know, yeah, you'd be, exactly. dating.
3: Yeah. You'd be dating, right?
0: And people are like, yeah. oh, you're an FMCD or whatever yeah. is, you know, whatever the yeah. thing is. I, know, like, I don't want to go on. I don't want my dating prospects to be, relied upon by four four letters, (laughs) like, come on, you know, you might actually get along with me if you're, you know, an an opposite style. So it's, yeah, it's a really interesting concept to explore. But I think, you know, exactly like you've said, it just comes back to the, the human aspect of everybody and how we bring our values, our beliefs, our right and wrongs to the table, to impact the world and and work together as a community and and be open-minded enough to be accepting and, you know, willing to move forward with what other people believe and how can that work with what we believe. Yeah.
2: Love that. So if people want to know more about you and what you do, What's the best way for them to do that?
0: Check me out on on my Facebook page. On, on
2: Coach Jim. <laughs> nice
0: and easy. I know, right? That's what it is. But it's, it's a marketing. It's purely marketing, so that people can see that I am I am one of them. No, I think I think it was the biggest thing for me is that I want to be. And again, this could be a little bit of my wanting to to make everybody happy thing. But I wanted to be able to connect with people and go, "Hey, look, me too. You know, I am a coach as well. I've you know struggled." to build a business, I found some success, and I want to be able to share that, right? So that's, I guess, the the easiest way for me to explain it. It doesn't define me, but it puts me in a a light where people can find me. So, By the way,
2: can I just be really clear? I really love it when people identify as something. All I'm questioning, and I think that we as humans need to think about questioning, is if we identify as Coach Jim then yeah. what does Coach Jim need to look like? What is Not because the world has created that, not because the world has said this is what a coach is, but for Jim, what does Coach Jim look like? How does he – so I actually – and and that is really – so it's funny because we've kind of gone into a lot of it, those areas. But yeah. for me, that's really important that if you do identify as a coach, don't let the world describe what a coach is to you. Exactly. Like, and, and just know that the world has biases within when you put a word that is used. And I think, you know, and that's going back to Candace. One of the interesting things she's, she's bringing up is that a lot of the, the words that were or are used today were never yeah. actually created as that word in the dictionary or in the thinking of the people that created that word officially. Yeah. One day, I, I mean,
0: the thing is, like, it, 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 <laughs> when I first started as a coach, it ah. pissed the hell out of me when, you yeah. know, what we were talking about before when I was like, hang on, you're calling yourself a coach but all you're doing yeah. is giving people advice. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, and and it's... You know, you're exactly right. It comes down to language. And this is what I love about what I do is, you know, one person will say stressed, one person will say anxious, one person will say coach, one person will say mentor. And we put so much uh, interpretation around these words and believe that everybody else feels the same way.
2: Exactly. And then we get insulted or upset or, uh, you know,
0: you don't think the way I think, because
2: you don't think how I think, or yeah, you're you don't not think, how I think in so we're not going to talk, <laughs> right?
3: Yeah,
2: it's yeah. crazy. But yeah. I think that's why we've got to question some of these things that have been so our norm, and go, okay, if we were going back to humanity being stakeholders, what would that actually need to look like? And I think it's you know having these conversations where we start going well, what does that look like? Why do we say it this way and go? So the question I ask everyone on a decision table go is this at the end of it. This is the one and only question that is the same every time, and that is this. What are you taking from our conversation today?
0: It's been fantastic, by the way. I'll say that because it's <laughs> great. I love I love jumping into these and just casually rolling with it and just seeing what happens. No, I think that the, the biggest thing for me, it's, it's going back to exactly what we just spoke about, that mm. the way that we speak and the language that we say and that the patterns that we've created in our language can be interpreted in so many different ways mm. and and what helps us grow is being challenged on that. You know, like you've, you've brought stuff up that I've said and I kind of sit back and go, oh, hang on. Like that's been interpreted in a way that actually isn't my belief system. i just said it in a certain way that it's come out like that. Exactly. So it, it literally just goes back to actively listening and finding clarity and conversation in what people say and knowing that not everybody's thinking the way you are.
2: Yeah. I yeah. think, yeah, for me, I you know, what am I taking from our conversation is mm-hmm. exactly that as well, that there, I think there's so many layers to the way we communicate. We have to be mm-hmm. really careful how we are communicating.
3: Totally. I
2: You know, I'm, the more I do my work across the globe and the longer I do it as the years go on, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying it like that, but you know what I mean, is, you know, I, I realize that, there is such learning in what i have always assumed others have understood and yeah. the more i'm i'm growing and evolving in this way i realize in most cases most people have interpreted what i've said the opposite to what I've actually meant it because I realized that a lot if you go to the disc thing I those things never work for me in a way because I am such an out-of-the-box thinker I work from right and left side of my brain right. and so I actually have used and I mean that's part of what I do is how can I exercise the muscle of human intelligence and I know we get taught that hey You should just work on your strengths and be the expert in that. And that was not my philosophy. My philosophy was where are my weaknesses? I need to work on those and then they need to be the same level as those other things. And then when I got to that level, I'd go, okay, where's the next gap? And I would fix that one and try and go. And I continue to do that to this day, where I want to continue to get better so that I can be more effective in the work that I do. And I think one of the things that I've got from today is that, again, that assumption that we communicate really clearly to the other person may not be actually a truth, that maybe we need to ask more questions to even gain more data to know then Mm. right Mm. where or what we connect on and then the next step of where that goes and i think i can do that better if i keep going back to the fact that i need to not assume on anything and we've gone silent why have you gone silent there we go am i back you are back
0: Oh, that was weird. It was like we've lost the connection to your microphone and it I got muted. Know.
2: <laughs> I
3: there was something in that. The browser was telling me something. Know.
0: It was telling me to be
3: quiet yeah. and just sit in that moment. It was. <laughs> yeah.
0: Excellent. No, yeah. I, I completely agree with all of that. It's just gaining yeah, assuming anything is just not yeah. It's not picture. It might speed the process up, but it's not going to get you true connection with people if you're assuming that they're thinking what you're thinking Mm. Mm.
2: okay so if you think of that i have to ask this question because it's on my brain right now so if you think of that and then you think of in the coaching industry everything's got to be proven strategies yeah one of my things that i have said and it came out really strongly when i used it as a lens on the decision table all of january is I mm-hmm. believe there's a need for a new approach to leadership. Mm-hmm. So if you think of think of coaching industry, you think of proven strategies. You've probably said it many times in marketing and sales and things like that as well. Yeah. Then if we are to evolve, how does that? How do we bridge that gap between evolving and the fact that I believe, example, that in the coaching industry you're taught build a business model. In my industry, in what I do, I teach that we need sustainable, scalable growth ecosystem, right? Like that is what I teach. Yeah. That is proven to a evolving.
3: Yeah.
2: It's an interesting concept. I'd love your thoughts on that.
0: It is. Look, I wasn't using the proven strategy buzzword until I hired a marketing manager that started doing it. And it made me sort of think, I was like, look, I know the strategies work because I built my program and my coaching course based on what I did, right? So I know it's proven because, yes, I did it. But I think what I've always lent to when it's come to that that language is Mm -hmm. that everything that I do is tailored to the individual. Because you know there is there is growth there i'm learning new things every day myself you know the the entire online world moves so quickly that it might have been a proven strategy 6 months ago but it isn't going to work now you know what i mean so for me that that two word phrase, um, Mm -hmm. doesn't quite click with me either. We're growing, we're evolving. You know, I'm learning new things from people. You know, my clients are figuring stuff out and I go, oh, cool. You know, we can jump into that. You know, that's something that I could share with everybody else. You know, it's that community and the evolution of of learning and growth and keeping it organic and flowing. Like, you know, the strategies that people used in marketing 2 years ago, yes, they're proven strategies, but would they work now?
2: Yeah. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Yeah. And we can, because that's so common in some industries and, you know, in leadership, it's really common to go, well, these are the three principles to make you a leader.
3: Yeah. Mm,
2: Really? Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, gone are the days I, you know, because like I mentioned before, I've come from 15 years in operations and Mm -hmm. I've moved into training and culture and HR because I wanted to help impact how people were living their lives day to day and be more inclusive and open and you know that's yeah. what I that's what I wanted to do with my life
3: yeah. and
0: it was so amazing to see the leaders that still believed that hiring and firing was just the quickest way to do it as opposed mm. to nurturing a culture where everybody felt like they were valued it's like look mm. if you don't fit into our box we're just going to get rid of you and then we'll move on to the next and there's there's still mm. people like that that as a leader that is saving time mm. It's just, you know, the thing is, if someone doesn't work in the business, they're just not a fit for the business. So let's just get rid of them. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, hang on, let's have a conversation with this person and listen and see if we can change as a business.
2: Yeah. You know what I've loved about our conversation today? And thank you so much for being on the decision table because I've I've really loved the back and forward combo that we've had today. Uh-huh. Is I, I really love the fact that, you know, we have gone anywhere and everywhere in this conversation yeah. Yeah. and yeah. we had no idea where we were going and really where we would finish up. But what I love is the fact that I think, the more you ask questions, the more you are curious and the more you listen and see the other person, the more you get to learn and evolve and be more effective in everything that we do. And I think, you know, One of the things that I think has come out of today's conversation uh, is the fact that we can ask questions and maybe we've stopped asking questions, Uh, you know, why is this such a thing in the coaching industry? Why is this such a thing in leadership? Why is this such a thing at the decision table? Well, maybe if we ask different questions and we're willing to ask those different questions, we would be having more of these kind of conversations.
0: Yeah, and that's and that's what I believe coaching truly is. It's, it's asking the questions that people don't usually ask themselves.
2: Yeah, love that. All right. Mm. I cannot say anything better than that. We are going to end this broadcast. So thanks Thank you, for coming Jeremy. to The Decision Table. It's Thank unbelievable. you. Unbelievable.
1: Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness Activates ownership to what is next A curiosity for the need to be part of the change And to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards If you want to further your journey with us Then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay The link is in the show notes We appreciate you Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders To achieve this together Recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators and movement changers Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.